0: Here it is!
1: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this was a a noteworthy week in a lot of ways. Most notably, I think, for the guidance. We got guided by the CDC this week that said uh, people who had been fully vaccinated no longer had to wear masks. And so we were, we the vaccinated, were invited to join the previously reviled, unvaccinated, in being maskless. And now we lost our our uh, our, our our ability to feel superior to them, because now you couldn't tell us apart. Before it was like, well, yeah, we're vaccinated, but we're masking and you what so it was um a- a- an opportunity to uh sort of rewire the um psychological aspect of masking and vaxxing. and so it was i was in um my physical therapy session i have a little elbow thing and uh it was friday morning And my therapist came in, and she said, That's you. I didn't recognize you. Because I've never seen you without your mask. I never knew who you were. I never knew how you looked. And I said, Well, yeah. And I never knew how you looked. It's an adjustment. Our faces have bottom halves for the first time in a year. Welcome to The Adjustment, and hello, welcome to the show.
2: I've just seen a face I can't forget the time or place where we just met. She's just a girl for me, and I want all the world to see we've met. it been another day, I might have looked the other way and I'd have never been aware. But as it is, I'll dream of her tonight. Falling, yes I'm falling, and she keeps calling me back again. I have never known the like of this. I've been alone and I have missed things and kept out of sight. But other girls were never quite like this. Falling, yes I'm falling, and she keeps calling me back again. seen her face, I can't forget the time Or place where we just met, she's just a girl for me And I want all the world to see we've met mm-hmm, nah, nah, nah. Falling, yes I'm falling And she keeps calling me back again
1: From the home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this faceful edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the Olympic movement, produced by Jim Ebersole III. Well, Rafael Nadal has raised doubts about his participation in this year's Tokyo Olympics amid the pandemic. He said this week he has to be flexible and cannot give a clear answer until he organizes his schedule for the year. This is what, May? <laughs> Japan has extended its state of emergency in Tokyo and three other areas until the end of May. country battles a surge in COVID cases raising questions about whether the Games should go ahead. Nadal, he won a singles gold in Beijing 2008, added a doubles title in Rio eight years later, said he's yet to firm up his plans on traveling to Tokyo. The Olympic torch relay is being pulled off the streets in Hiroshima Prefecture. As the cases rise in Japan, Hiroshima Governor Hidehiko Yuzaki said that a ceremony this coming week without the relay will still take place This is the sixth change to the relay from rerouting to cancellation in the last several weeks. Certain there will be no relay on public streets in Hiroshima. Since we're all trying to reduce going out. And how to do the ceremony without the relay on the streets is still being discussed with the organizers. The uh, Hiroshima governor said. The relay is heavily sponsored by Toyota and Coca-Cola has proceeded despite some calls a year ago to cancel it to save money. The uh, president of the IOC, Thomas Bach, was forced this week to call off a trip to Hiroshima to greet the torch. Hello, torch. That was possibly an embarrassing move, since uh, the IOC and local organizers are still saying the Olympics will be safe and secure for fans and athletes. Yuzaki, the governor in Hiroshima, said the cases were rising at such a rapid pace that it could become an emergency situation unless people curbed their activities. And uh, Hyogo and Okayama prefectures are also taking the torch relay off the public streets. Has there been a torch relay if it wasn't in the streets? Did a tree fall? Serena Williams is facing a difficult decision. After the announcement that overseas spectators would not be able to attend the Olympics, speaking to reporters in Rome, where she's preparing for the Italian Open, Williams said she might not compete in Tokyo if she's unable to bring her daughter, a three-year-old named Olympia. Japan's Kodo News Agency, citing an unnamed government source, reported this week's 31 so-called host towns have called off plans ...to host visiting Olympic athletes. This came as governors of Kashagawa and Ibaraki provinces, pre- prefectures, sorry, they're near Tokyo. They were reported saying their hospitals would not be able to treat Olympic athletes who fall ill. Public frustration has targeted Japanese swimming star Rikagako Ikei... ...who won a spot at the Tokyo Olympics after recovery from leukemia... Ikei traveled recently. She has received messages that pained her heart by urging her to oppose the Olympics and not attend. And the billionaire founder and chief executive of Japanese online retailer Rakuten Group called the Tokyo Olympics a suicide mission in an interview with CNN. The fact that we're so late for vaccination, it's really dangerous to host the big international event, Hiroshi Mikitani said. Of the Olympics... It's a movement as well as a suicide mission and we all need one every day. Well, ladies and gentlemen, on this program, I've discussed with you the class of pesticides known as neonicotinoids for their effect on bees, birds, breeds, sorry, and uh, other living things. We've also... um, I think shared on this program some news of the uh, marked reduction in the population of monarch, b- iconic, I think they're called, officially, iconic monarch butterflies. Well, this is the week those two stories came together in an embrace. Recently published study suggests that one of the world's most common pesticides may be contributing to the decline of the most loved butterflies. University of Guelph researcher Ryan Norris is there a University of Jubilee? No. Conducted one of the first real-world studies on monarch butterflies and so-called neonic pesticides. He says the chemical seems to reduce the number of eggs that successfully hatch. This is from the Canadian press who's building in Gaza wasn't blown up this week. It's the first field evidence that neonics can have a negative impact on larval survival of monarchs. Researcher Norris said in an interview, monarchs undergo one of the, one of nature's most remarkable migrations, migrating all the way from Canada to Mexico and back. What does that suggest? But their numbers have declined more than 80% over the past two decades. Scientists are trying to find out why. Before it's too late, I guess. nicks, pesticides are widely applied to common crops, such as corn. But they often drift onto other plants, including milkweed. That's what monarchs depend on. Just for nesting and food, is all. Monarchs actually prefer milkweed that grows alongside or within cultivated cultivated fields, says Norris. We don't know why but that's where they get hit the hardest with the with your neonics. The research was published in the Journal of Animal Ecology. Norris and his colleagues worked with a farmer in Ontario. The farmer planted one half of a small plot with corn seed that had only been treated with a fungicide, and the other half with corn that had been treated with clothlandin. Clothianidin. Clothianin. <laughs> I'm going to try this again. Clothianidin. It's common neonic. It's so common I don't know how to say it. Milkweed was deliberately planted along with the corn to attract monarchs. Over two years, the scientists found that the monarch eggs on the neonic plot had a 3% less chance of successfully hatching. Norris says that sounds small, but with the large number of eggs monarchs lay, it adds up to big numbers. It could easily mean millions of larvae that are dying each year, he says. Because of the neonics. Three years ago, Health Canada proposed to tightly restrict the use of neonics, including a ban on all outdoor applications of clothianidin. There you go. It is currently reevaluating that stance and is expected to announce an updated decision next spring. So, monarchs, hang. Just hang there, hang loose. Millions of monarchs migrate each winter to a small area of mountaintop forest in central Mexico. Scientists estimate their population there by measuring the area of trees turned orange by the clustering butterflies. That area has shrunk to just over two hectares, down 25% from last year, according to the Center for Biological Diversity. Monarchs are considered a species of special concern in both Canada and Mexico. I guess they just fly over the United States, so, you know, just regular concern. And now, it's time for me to read the trades for you. In case you're wondering what's happening to uh, the news networks in the wake of relative silencing of Donald Trump, Fox News leans on uplifting content to woo skeptical advertisers from ad age. I'll read it for you. Fox News is looking to clear up any misperceptions advertisers have around news as it emerges from a news cycle dominated by politics during its current upfront pitch to the marketplace. Quote, We had five years of a news cycle that was dominated in many ways by politics. We were all covering every tweet that came out of the White House. We're all feeling very good about heading into a news cycle that has room for other topics, like sports, news, and entertainment, says Jeff Collins, executive VP of ad sales at Fox News. With more uplifting content, like stories of people getting vaccinated, returning to work and school, and reuniting with their families, Collins says it will create a more positive environment for our advertisers. Unquote. The hope is, as the news becomes a more positive environment, that there will be areas that are more contextually relevant and desirable for brands, he says. To be sure, the entire news space has always been a dicey one for some brands who have been concerned with their marketing or messaging appearing next to tragedy or anything controversial. Fox News is leaning into its some of its more uplifting content, like America Together, a program designed to feature inspiring stories, and its Patriot Awards. The cable news space enters a very different upfront marketplace than last year which took place during the early months of the coronavirus pandemic and ahead of a monumental presidential election. The three major cable news channels have seen viewership retract. Post-election, in April Fox News averaged 2.2 million viewers total in primetime, down 39% from the prior year. And the 25 to 54 Demographic, Fox News was down 45 percent. CNN had a 52 percent drop in its demograph in the same demographic, and fo- and MSNBC had a 32 percent decline. Fox News saw an influx of younger skewing brands buy into the network at the height of the political cycle. Collins says those pro- advertisers are embracing ambas- programming like its late night show. Gutfeld which debuted last year you probably didn't know about that oh sorry last month the network also highlighted the upcoming launch of Fox Weather as a place for brands to be able to do integrations that isn't a hard news environment Hannity and Tucker doing weather Fox News has spent the past year building out its streaming service, Fox Nation. Brands can't buy commercial inventory on the platform. The network will learn to partner with markets for integrations into the content for the first time. That's even better than ads, don't you think? Just integrating into content. Uplifting content, ladies and gentlemen. I think that actually was uplifting content. Me reading the trades for you. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now, another chink in the musk. Federal safety regulators are sending a team to California to investigate a fatal freeway crash involving a Tesla. This is just after authorities near Oakland arrested a man in another Tesla rolling down a freeway with no one behind the steering wheel. Experts, according to the Associated Press, say both cases raised pressure on the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to take action on Tesla's partially automated driving system called, somewhat misleadingly, Autopilot. which has been involved in multiple crashes that have resulted in at least three U.S. deaths. The probe of the May 5 crash in Fontana, east of L.A., is the 29th case involving a Tesla that the agency has responded to. The Tesla driver, 35-year-old man whose name has not been released, was killed and another man was seriously injured when the electric car struck an overturned semi On a freeway, the injured man, a 30-year-old passing motorist, was struck by the Tesla as he was helping the semi's driver out of the wreck. The investigation comes just after the California Highway Patrol arrested another man who authorities say was in the backseat of a Tesla riding down Interstate 80 with no one behind the wheel. Param Sharma, 25 years old, is accused of reckless driving and disobeying a peace officer. Said the Highway Patrol. Statement didn't say if officials have determined whether the Tesla was operating on autopilot, but it's likely either autopilot or full self driving were in operation for the driver to be in the back seat. I've heard of a back seat driver, but this is ridiculous. Tesla is allowing a limited number of owners to test its self driving system. Allowing? Yeah, you can do that. Tesla has disbanded its public relations department so it didn't respond to messages seeking comment. That's convenient. You know, if you've got Elon Musk, you don't need a PR department. The Fontana investigation, in addition to probes of two crashes in Michigan from earlier this year, show that the NHTSA is taking a closer look at the Tesla systems. Experts say the agency needs to rein in such systems because people tend to trust them too much when they cannot drive themselves people tend to trust something called autopilot too much. I think they're very likely getting serious about this. We may actually start to see some action in the not-too-distant future, said uh, a mobility analyst for Guidehouse Insights. They follow automated systems. I definitely think the increasing number of incidents is adding more fuel to the fire for NHTSA to do more, said an electrical and computer engineering professor at Duke who studies automated vehicles. I do think they're going to be stronger about this. Tesla says on its website and in owner's manuals that for both driver assist systems, drivers must be ready to intervene at any time. But drivers have repeatedly zoned out with autopilot in use, resulting in crashes in which neither the system nor the driver stopped for obstacles in the road. The federal agency could declare autopilot defective and require it to be recalled, or it could force Tesla to limit areas where Autopilot can be used to limited access freeways. It could also make the company install a stronger system to ensure drivers are paying attention. Hey, you! Driver! Hello, driver! The auto industry, except for Tesla, already does a good job of limiting where such systems can operate, moving to self-regulate, Tesla seems to be heading that way. It's now installing driver-facing cameras on recent models, said uh, one of the experts. Tesla has a system to monitor drivers to make sure they're paying attention by detecting force from hands on the steering wheel. I'm seeing fake hands being sold. You can attach them from the back seat. The system will issue warnings and eventually shut the car down if it doesn't detect hands. Critics have said Tesla's system is easy to fool and can take as long as a minute to shut down. Consumer Reports said last month it was able to trick a Tesla into driving in autopilot mode with no one at the wheel. In March, a Tesla official told California regulators that full self-driving was a system that requires monitoring by humans. So by full, they mean, in notes released by the state's Department of Motor Vehicles, the company wouldn't say whether Tesla's technology would improve to fully, as in fully self-driving by the end of the year, contrary to statements that had been made by Elon Musk, that it would be full, fully, full, full, fully, full, full, by the end of the year. This is the same Elon Musk who announced this week that Tesla will not be accepting Bitcoin Because he just discovered, apparently, how much energy Bitcoin mining takes after announcing earlier this year that Tesla would accept Bitcoin for purchases. And the same Elon Musk, who had been promoting a new crypto coin called Dogecoin, who announced last week on Saturday Night Live... The Dogecoin was a hustle, so you can. Be- in the backseat driving case, authorities got multiple 911 calls—sorry, 911 calls—that a person was in the back of the Tesla Model 3 while the vehicle traveled across the San Francisco Oakland Bay Bridge. Well, maybe he was thinking of jumping. Easier to jump from the back. A motorcycle officer spotted the Tesla, confirmed the solo occupant in the backseat, took action to stop the car, and saw the occupant move to the driver's seat before the car stopped. Authorities said they cited the same guy late April for similar behavior. In an interview with the Associated Press, Sharma, that driver, said he did nothing wrong and he'll keep riding in the back seat with no one behind the steering wheel. Musk wants him to keep doing this, he said. It was actually designed to be ridden in the back seat, Sharma said. I feel safer in the back seat than I do in the driver's seat. And I feel safer with my car on autopilot. I trust my car autopilot more than I trust everyone on the road. Unquote. He believes his Model 3 can drive itself. <laughs> and he doesn't understand why he had to spend a night in jail. He said he's gone about 40,000 miles in Teslas without being in the driver's seat. Dukes Cummings, the expert on Automated Systems, says his comments suggest he's among the number of Tesla drivers who rely too much on the company's driving systems. It is showing people the thought process behind people who have way too much trust in a very unproven technology, she said. Maybe Tesla needs to set up its PR department again, just, just to clean up the stuff that's being said by its current PR department.
0: Whenever I see your smiling face, I have to smile myself. Cause I love you, yes I do. And when you give me that pretty little pout, it turns me inside out. There's something about you, baby. I don't know. Isn't it amazing? Long before I met you Now I'm sure that I won't forget you And I back my lucky stars That you are who you are And not just another lovely lady sent down to break my heart No one can tell me that I'm doing wrong today Whenever I see you smiling
1: The home of the homeless this is Lu show and now i just want to say one word to you just one word yes sir are you listening yes i am Microplastics. think about it what do you think about it yes i will i've said new place to have found microplastics this week instant rice <laughs> i said instant rice Packs of instant rice contain up to 13 milligrams, about 5, of an ounce, of microplastics. This highlights the need for more to be done to limit plastic content in food, says the Brisbane Times of Brisbane, Australia. Best place for it. Researchers from the Queensland Alliance for Environmental Health Sciences at the University of Queensland, best place for it, set out to look at how much microplastic was in all forms of rice available to consumers. Lead authors said they found regular uncooked rice had about 3 to 4 milligrams for every 100 grams for about 13 parts per million of rice in the samples they tested while it jumped to 13 milligrams, about thousandths of an ounce for instant rice, about 130 parts per million. That's 10 times more in the instant rice. We looked at a consumer store-bought rice, so we sourced all our samples from stores in the same way consumers would buy them, the lead author said. Rice is a staple food around the world, so it's important we understand the quantity of microplastics we could be consuming, he said. Researchers looked for a number of plastics, your polyethylene, as well as plastics used in clothing and food production. He said they suspected the plastics came from a range of sources, from the packaging to the harvesting process. In the case of instant rice, the researcher theorized that it underwent more processes before appearing on shelves. The big trouble here is, he says, we still don't actually know what a safe level of microplastics is. There's no standard to point to. But this is the first time we can prove exposure to microplastics by rice consumption. In a recent article in Sustainability, that's a publication, not a way of life, Scientists from Reykjavik University, the University of Gothenburg, and the Icelandic Meteorological Office described their finding of microplastic in a remote and pristine area of Vatnajokull Glacier in Iceland. It's Europe's largest ice cap. You're welcome. You can use that on Jeopardy. Microplastics may affect the melting and... Remember to say what is. Microplastics may affect the melting and rheological behavior of glaciers, thus influencing the future meltwater contribution to the oceans and rising sea levels. This is the first time that the finding of microplastics in that glacier is described. The group visualized and identified microplastic particles of various sizes and materials by optical microscopy and micro-rayman spectroscopy. The discussion about microplastics has mainly been focused on contamination of the sea. Hitherto, little research has been conducted on plastic in the Earth's ice caps. To date, microplastics have been found in the Italian Alps and the Ecuadorian Andes and icebergs at Svalbard. Findings confirm microplastic particles are distributed through the atmosphere. We do not understand well enough the pathways for microplastic particles in our environment. Is the plastic carried by snow and rain? We need to know more about the causes. The samples we took are from a very remote and pristine location in this glacier with no easy access, so direct pollution from human activity is unlikely, say the researchers. But the good news, ladies and gentlemen, is microplastics will find a way. Hey, remember a couple of weeks ago, maybe, maybe last week, recently, a story featured on this program about TEPCO, the uh, operator of the fuk meltdown plant in uh, Japan. TEPCO uh, um, not enforcing its own ID rules, letting somebody access the plant with someone else's ID. Remember that? Seemed anomalous, didn't it? Another such case has come to light this week. Improper use of an ID card to gain access to a key area at a nuclear power plant. This time in Niigata Prefecture. But same company, TEPCO, Tokyo Electric Power, says a partner firm's worker mistakenly showed a guard his father's ID card to enter a zone surrounding a protected area at its Kashiwazaki nuclear plant. This is some time ago. August twenty fifteen. His father was also working for the firm. Identity verification is, of course, required to access certain areas to prevent terrorist acts, and for other security reasons. Tepco officials say the secu- this is now. How are they? Why are they only? Na- Tepco officials say the security guard who saw the pass had a strange feeling about the photo, but he still allowed the worker to enter. The worker was later about to enter a more strictly controlled area. When an alarm rang at a gate, it was then discovered he was carrying, mistakenly, his father's pass. Like you do. TEPCO did report the incident to the Nuclear Regulation Authority. similar case in which an ID card was improperly used occurred last September at the same plant when a TEPCO employee used a colleague's ID card to enter the plant's control room. That case and other security breaches at the plant led the nuclear regulator to give TEPCO an administrative penalty last month. The utility is now examining how security checks were managed. (laughs) They have to be managed, ladies and gentlemen, to prevent a recurrence. Not just have them be conducted, but have them be managed properly, you see. And... When you can't meet a deadline, what do you do? You extend the deadline. The U.S. Department of Energy and its regulators have proposed extending the deadline to ship waste contaminated with plutonium off the Hanford Nuclear Reservation in Washington state. Proposal moves the deadline back 20 years from 2030 to 2050 to ship the waste to a national repository in New Mexico for permanent disposal. According to the Tri-City Herald... We realized that the existing milestone dates were unachievable, said John Price, a manager with the State Department of Ecology, which is a regulator for the nuclear site. Realized in 2021 they couldn't make 2030. So when do you think they'll realize they can't make 2050? I think we got plenty of time. And now...
2: News of the Godly...
1: Pope Francis, you've heard of him, has accepted the resignation of Bishop Jean Tirava. It's uh, in Poland, in an area of Poland with too many consonants. He's the latest bishop accused of covering up sexual abuse by the clergy. The bishop's conference said the Vatican had conducted proceedings on reported negligence in line with the pontiff's Vos estis lux mundi and had also taken account of, quote, other difficulties, unquote, facing Bishop Tirava. The uh, bimonthly Catholic magazine in Poland said that Bishop Tirava had reappointed Father Pavel Kania to uh, this particular provin- uh, p- a parish and this province with too many consonants to pronounce after the priest had been detained by police and suspended from another diocese for propositioning boys and storing child pornography on his computer, this is Father Kanya. It added Father Kanye had cared for altar boys, and taught religious classes to children at his new parish from 2006 to 2009. Before being jailed in 2015 for a bunch of years. Last February, last a year ago, court ordered the diocese to pay forty thousand dollars in damages to one of Father Kanya's victims. That order was upheld on appeal last December. The bishop's lawyer told a Polish newspaper the bishop had intended to resign for some time after facing dismissal calls from Polish legislators following a court cross-examination in October of 2019. That is some time. He's right about that. So now, finally, he waves bye-bye. News is Godly... So copyrighted. So very copyrighted. Now, word not used in this program recently, Trump. He's in the news this week for a couple of reasons. First, of course, his um, newly loyal deputy in the House, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader, succeeded in um, his campaign to oust Wyoming Congresswoman Liz Cheney from her role as the number three Republican leader in the House. That happened this week. And now all of a sudden, a Cheney is admired by people in the center and on the left. Here's the old switcheroo. And toward the end of the week, those who hadn't noticed that uh, Donald Trump, deplatformed by Twitter and Facebook, now has his own blog, which his fans can try to quote from on Twitter and Facebook, try to get him some uh, of that oh, so wonderful public attention again. And I don't think this was his first blog post, but it was the one that I noticed where he referred to the 2020 presidential election, I think for the first time, as, quote, the crime of the century, unquote. This week, for the first time, it's Trump 1, Cheney 0, and for the ex-president turned still president, job 1 is getting the Senate on the same page as the House, and not just the Senate pages. So, Mitch, Mm -hmm. you ever seen so much marble on one floor? Well, sir, the, the Senate has well, a lot Oh, I mean in a private home. Mm. Which this isn't, of course, it's a club. I don't want the local Palm Beach Mafia getting the wrong idea about my permit, but... They- Very impressive, sir. This is all real Italian marble, too, right? Interesting. You notice anything right here? Uh, just a slight change in color, isn't it? I'm not wearing my color perception glasses, Totally but- different marble starts here. Mm. When we wired this room for mood lighting, we had to tear everything out. Interesting. Every different little vein of Italian marble has a slightly different hue. Yeah, but this here is Mexican marble. Mm. Half the price, and with the mood lighting, no one can tell. Or if they can, we double down on the mood lighting. Interesting thing about this room, sir, doesn't, doesn't seem to be a place to sit. It's the drinks and canapes lounge for the big dinners through that door. Nobody sits for drinks and canapes. I can tell you've never run our five-star resort. <laughs> no, sir. I seem to have my hands full running the United States Senate. At least I did before we lost the Senate. Can't seem to remember why that happened. Hey, Mitch. Earth to Turtletown. Maybe voters stall with all those anti-Trump Republicans in the Senate. Why vote for another Republican? What? Maybe the way we get the Senate back is for you to take a hint from your friend Kevin in the House... And start doing like my son does in Africa. Shoot some rhinos. Republicans in name only. Mr. Former President, maybe we could move to a room with some actual furniture in it. The one on the left looks... Listen, it's okay if you don't agree that the 2020 election was stolen from me. Ignoring the crime of the century is your business. (laughs) But calling me Mr. Former President is an insult to a bunch of great Americans who do believe that. That's the great room. They're steam-cleaning the books today. Sir, the Senate is not like the House. Yeah, but it could be if you did a Cheney on Mitt Romney's ass. Ever think of that? Ever think of telling that stuffed piece of shirt that the only committee he's going to be a member of from now on? Is a committee of one? Doesn't work that way. Senators are very proud individuals. I didn't get their... Be their leader by treating them like congressmen and women. Yeah, nice inclusivism. Look, Mitch, you and I, unlike our friend Kevin in the House, we got something in common. He wants something he never had, the speakership. Mm-hmm. You and I both want back what we used to have. It was taken from us. Mm-hmm. Your task this week mm-hmm. is to get me a Republican Party in the Senate as united behind me as I am. Can you do it? Well, sir, I have to spend a few days seeing what I can do for you. Okay. And the next time you come down here, I'll get us a room with chairs. <laughs> New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make the crime of the century great again. Now, Florida is his boardroom. The Mar Apprentice. This week, all his favorite dishes are best served cold. Now, the Apologies of the Week. A 16-year-old American Idol contestant has dropped out of the singing competition after a video circulated of him sitting next to someone wearing what appears to be a Ku Klux Klan hood. Caleb Kennedy, who advanced into the top five, apologized for the video on Twitter, saying it displayed actions that were not meant to be taken in that way. His mother, Anita Guy, (laughs) Anita Guy, told local newspaper that the video was filmed when Kennedy was 12 and had been taken out of context. She said Kennedy had been imitating characters from the film, The Strangers Pray at Night. The University of South Carolina has accepted the resignation of Bob Caslin after the embattled former leader of the school admitted he plagiarized part of a commencement speech. The chairman of the board of trustees had accepted his resignation. Kaslan said he was truly sorry for sharing a quote from Admiral William McRaven, who oversaw the successful raid that targeted and killed Osama bin Laden. The quote from McRaven comes from his now-famous speech to grads at the University of Texas in 2014. Kaslan acknowledged he delivered two paragraphs without attribution. I was searching for words about resilience and adversity, and when they were transcribed into the speech, I failed to ensure its attribution. I take full responsibility for this oversight, he wrote. That isn't all he did wrong. During the same address, he he congratulated graduates of the University of California instead of the school he was president of, South Carolina. The university board had refused his verbal offer of resignation last weekend. He faced criticism when he was hired. Some students and faculty said... The retired general in U.S. Military Academy lacked qualifications for the top university job, such as research credentials, a doctoral degree, and an ability to name the school he ran. Dateline London. U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson apologized this week for the deaths of 10 civilians during military operations half a century ago in West Belfast, Northern Ireland, a day after a coroner's court determined they were innocent victims. He told the First Minister and Deputy First Minister of Northern Ireland in a phone call the events of August 1971 in the Belfast neighborhood of Ballymurphy were tragic. Quote, the Prime Minister apologized unreservedly, unreservedly on behalf of the UK government for the events that took place in Ballymurphy and the huge anguish that the lengthy pursuit of truth has caused the families of those killed, unquote, the Prime Minister's office. The killings occurred as the British Army confronted protesters during the early days of the sectarian conflict that became known as the Troubles. High Court Justice Sean Keegan ruled this week all of the victims were entirely innocent and weren't engaged in paramilitary activity at the time they were shot. The dead included a mother of eight, a Catholic priest, and a World War II veteran. Speaking of priests, two years after a priest pleaded guilty to molesting an altar boy... The Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana, has formally apologized to the victim and his family. Michael Gidry, who was a priest in St. Landry Parish, pleaded guilty to molesting a minor, was sentenced to seven years hard labor. A couple of years ago, the diocese this week said in a statement that, quote, after careful examination, unquote, I'll say, the church found the allegations were credible. The diocese further denounces the actions of Michael Gidry. Towards the victim, and hereby formally and publicly apologizes to the victim and his family. Gidry was a former longtime leader of St. Peter Church in Morrow, Louisiana. Activities said they opened the investigation after the victim reported he'd been given alcohol before being sexually molested by Gidry at the priest's home. Gidry appealed his sentence, arguing it represented an unconstitutionally excessive and disproportionate term that needlessly imposed pain and suffering. Unquote. The Third Circuit Court of Appeals upheld his sentence last year. The Supreme Court of Louisiana declined to take up his appeal. The victim and his family are also pursuing a civil suit against Guidry and the diocese, seeking uh, damages for pain and suffering. The suit alleges that although the diocese had paid for counseling since the allegations came to light, a senior church official threatened to halt the payments if the family sued. Chicago Blackhawks play-by-play announcer Pat Foley apologized this week for making an on-air remark about, quote, putting a bullet in my head, unquote, during the team's season finale against the Dallas Stars. Foley has been calling away games remotely this season. During the third period, he praised the players for playing through difficult COVID-19 protocols on the road, Without needing to have a game rescheduled, he mentioned that players were limited at their hotel room and the rink couldn't go out to dinner or visit family. Had a lot to deal with, a lot of boredom. Had I been traveling with the team this year, I might have put a bullet in my head. He said during the Stars' five-to-four overtime win, I would have had access to the player lounge. He apologized on air during overtime for the imagery. I wish I didn't say that. I'm sorry if I offended some folks. I, apparently, I did, so I apologize. That's an apparent apology. Joshua Wolf Schenk, editor-in-chief of Believer magazine and executive director of the Black Mountain Institute, resigned after he exposed himself to staff during a Zoom meeting in February. This came out in sorry this was, appeared, this was reported in the Los Angeles Times this week, so they still have one. According to the Times, Schenk was soaking in a bath to relieve nerve pain related to fibromyalgia— during a Zoom call with about a dozen staffers from the magazine and the Black Mountain Institute, though Shank was wearing a mesh shirt on top, he stood up during the call to go change to go charge his computer <laughs> from the bathtub. Always a good idea. It's all—it's a bunch of good ideas actually. And uh, without turning off the camera or covering the lower half of his body, thus exposing himself to the people on the call, he pulled a tubing. By late March, the publisher of the magazine, a literature, arts, and culture publication from a literary arts center at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, had been informed that Schenck resigned due to the incident, according to The Times. spokesperson for the institute confirmed that Schenck had resigned, but declined to comment further on personnel matters. In a goodbye letter to staff, Schenck apologized for making, quote, a dumb, reckless choice to disregard appropriate setting and attire for a Zoom meeting. According to the Times, quote, I crossed the line. I can't walk back over. I sorely regret the harm to you and by extension to the people we serve. I'm sorry, unquote, in a separate statement sent to the Times. He said he decided to resign so the Institute and the magazine could, quote, best continue in their exceptionally capable hands after his, quote, lapse in judgment, unquote. The Vermont Senate has joined the House. Always a good idea. In passing a resolution apologizing to Vermonters, their families, and descendants who were harmed by state-sanctioned eugenics policies and practices that led to sterilizations. Some Vermonters of mixed French-Canadian and Native American heritage as well as poor rural white people were placed on a state-sanctioned list of, quote, mental defectives and, quote, degenerates, unquote, and sent to state institutions. Some had surgery after Vermont in 1931 became more of one, that, one of more than two dozen states to pass a law allowing sterilizations for, quote, human betterment, unquote. While well, sterilization plays a major part of the eugenics story, it's important to know that the General Assembly created elements of eugenics by segregation and institutionalization, said a senator, a Republican senator in reporting the bill. We removed children from their families involuntarily. We removed adults from their families involuntarily. We placed restrictions on marriage, and we did it on a discriminatory basis, said another senator. It's important to publicly declare that the eugenics movement was horrific and abhorrent. Healing can only begin after a sincere apology and a commitment to do better, she said. Chrissy Teigen has publicly apologized to Courtney Stodden after being accused of bullying them. There's your pronoun for you. A decade ago, including telling Stodden to take their own life. 26-year-old Stodden recently called out multiple celebrities in an interview with the Daily Beast for harassing them on or off social media when they were a teenager. She wouldn't just publicly tweet about wanting me to take a dirt nap, but would privately DM me and tell me to kill myself. Things like, I can't wait for you to die, Stodden alleged, of Tegan. Teagan addressed the tweets and publicly apologized on Twitter. Not a lot of people are lucky enough to be held accountable for all their past BS in front of the entire world. I'm mortified and sad at who I used to be. I was an insecure, attention-seeking troll. I'm ashamed and completely embarrassed at my behavior, but that's nothing compared to how I made Courtney feel. I have worked so hard to give you guys joy and be be beloved, and the feeling of letting you down is nearly unbearable, truly. I'm so sorry I let you guys down. I'm so sorry, Courtney. I will forever work on being better than I was 10 years ago, one year ago, six months ago. Yes, she said that Courtney should kill himself. I don't write them, but I do voice them. Universal Pictures has apologized for using a male actor to dub the performance of transactor actor Laverne Cox in the Italian-language version of Promising Young Woman. Promotional clip of the film posted by Universal Pictures Italy uh, this past week featured Cox's character talking to the lead, played by Carrie Mulligan, in a distinctively masculine voice. The Orange is the New Black Star was dubbed into Italian by the deep tones of Italian voiceover actor Roberto Petticini. Italian viewers took to social media in outrage, forcing the studio to change the audio. <laughs> In a statement of The Guardian, which originally reported the story, a spokesman for Universal said the studio was, quote, deeply grateful to the transgender community for, quote, opening our eyes to a bias that neither we nor many in our industry had recognized. While there was no malicious intent beside, behind this mistake, we are working diligently to fix it. We have begun redubbing Miss Cox's voice with female actors in our international territories and are pushing back release dates to ensure the correct version is available. Up said it was sorry for the pain caused, but are thankful that we can address the situation on this film and prevent similar mistakes from happening again on future projects. (laughs) And, Dayline, Louisville, Kentucky, a former Louisville police detective, will spend one year in prison after admitting this week that his lies and improper conduct helped cause two people to be convicted for slayings they didn't commit. Mark Handy said those facts are true, After the judge, Olu Stevens, read him the allegations behind charges of perjury and tampering with physical evidence. Under the terms of the plea agreement, Handy will not be able to ask for probation for his one-year prison sentence. He declined to speak to the victims, Edwin Chandler, one of whom was there. He spent nearly a decade for a murder he didn't commit after Handy lied to a jury in his 1995 murder trial. I'm not happy with our justice system, Chandler said in a press conference after the briefing. He said one year in prison was not enough for what Handy did. Handy acknowledged he tampered with physical evidence by erasing an interview in a separate case. He apologized before the judge ruled in August. Handy apologized for his actions and to Chandler. I know words are not worth much, Handy said. From the day I learned that Mr. Chandler had been wrongfully convicted, I've been sick, ill. I can only apologize to him with all my heart, and hope he can find some type of forgiveness. He said he lives his life now, trying to make amends. Unquote. I guess that's a that's a um, handmade form of adult diaper. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back next week, same time on the radio. Whatever you want it on your audio device of choice. Be just like... The crime of the century being something else. If you'd agree to be with me then, would you already? Thank you very much. Uh Uh-huh. Tip of the show. Chapeau to the San Diego desk. to Pam Halstead and to... Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, and to see the playlist, maybe even copy it down, the playlist for the show that you're hearing. Just a little bit longer. All at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWN on New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless.